Hello and welcome to this, the 44th episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, the self-appointed cheerleader-in-chief of Irish Theatre, Angus Og McAnally, artistic director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and a producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And what a week it's been. We got the great privilege of travelling down to the Electric Picnic at the weekend to uh, to perform Fight Night. Um, a real honour for us to be down at such a massive event like that with so many amazing people down there playing and headlining and whatever else. Um, but also a real honour for us to be back associated with the Dublin Theatre Festival because it was Willie White of the Dublin Theatre Festival who uh, programmed and curated the entire weekend of theatre down there. Um, and, you know, just that I always get a real sense of that seal of approval, that big stamp of approval of the theatre festival saying, you know, you're up there with the rest of them. You're welcome to be down here. We uh, we reckon yours is a show we can back. Um, and obviously we had that last year at the festival when we were part of the Reviewed Strand. Uh, but again, this year to be down at Electric Picnic as kind of part of the theatre festival delegation, if you like. Uh, a real honour for us. Lovely to get down there, bring the show to uh, to a new audience and maybe kind of grow the audience for Rise Production shows, hopefully down there as well. Uh, a lovely experience overall. Really great to get down there and do that. So look, as ever... We are bringing this to you absolutely free of charge, as we do every week, because we have promised, in our infinite stupidity, that we won't ever charge for these interviews. But, of course, as ever, we are looking for you to put your money back into Irish theatre. And the whole ethos behind this podcast is to support, promote, and celebrate all that is great about Irish theatre. So the easiest and simplest and best way to support is to go and buy yourself some tickets. I don't care what theatre you buy them for, I don't care what part of the country you're in. Go out this week or this month and buy yourself some theatre tickets. You'll have a great night out, trust me. If by any chance you feel that maybe theatre tickets are a little beyond you this month, of course, maybe you can go over and check out one of the great crowdsourcing websites like fundit.ie, where there are always theatre companies over there uh, looking to rally the troops, get a few bob in uh, to create their next wonderful masterpiece of Irish theatre. And of course, as ever, there are ways you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket. How much easier could it be than that? Go and tell people about this podcast, whether that's in person, over a cup of coffee, when you meet them walking the kids to school, when you meet them in the pub this Friday, go and tell them all about this podcast, encourage them to listen, get involved with what we're doing over here. Uh, of course, another way you can do that is by sharing the link on Facebook or maybe retweeting it on Twitter. We'll be putting it out on all those social media sites. Spread the love around, ladies and gentlemen. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Do please go over and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes, which helps us out in their charts and their algorithms and all the crazy fun things they do over there at iTunes. Uh, do go back and listen to all our other episodes because it always boosts Peter Daly over in the charts and you know it makes him happy inside. Uh, you can leave us a review over on iTunes, which is a huge help for us. We used to push this an awful lot a few months back uh, and it did a great deal in getting us to being the you know the number one arts podcast in the country. Maybe it'd be nice to be back at number one again these days, wouldn't it? Yeah, go over there and leave us a little review, or maybe just go and click to rate us on their five-star rating system. That's a one-click deal. Not asking too much there. You can, of course, as ever, follow us on Facebook. We are facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland, or you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Rise Ireland. And so that brings us to our guest this week. And this guy is uh, kind of a phenomenon. Um, it's such an industrious guy, such a really talented and amazing theatre director. It's the great Tom Creed um, and a really interesting guy who is navigating this kind of, you know, particular career path for himself, straddling both uh, disciplines of being an absolutely outstanding theatre director in his own right, but also uh, as a programmer, uh, you know, originally at uh, the Kilkenny Arts Festival and now in what was, you know, 
wildly successful first year at the Cork Midsummer Festival, which is such an exciting festival down there. I've had the, the honour of playing down there a couple of times. Um, and I think he's a really interesting guy. Look, as usual, I am not going to rabbit on too much before we get into this. Here it is. Let's go straight at it. The brilliant Tom Creed. The wonderful Tom Creed. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm absolutely delighted that you've taken time out of your busy schedule for this. And thanks so much. It's great <laughs> to be here. Let us start, as we do every week, with the very beginning. At what point did a career in theatre seem like something that might be for you? Um, I guess it's something that I guess I sort of fell into in school. Um, the I had something I'd always had a, a sort of a bit of an interest in, but I guess kind of around when I was doing junior cert in school, suddenly I found myself doing it quite a lot. Um, and by the time actually I was meant to be doing my leaving cert, I discovered youth theatre and spending quite a lot of time doing that instead. <laughs> um, and I was going to be an actor, of course, um, right. as uh, many people who end up in other areas do. Um, and, you know, I had thought about whether I would come and try and study in Dublin or whether I would go and, you know, do as other people had done and go to Cork and get a degree. And, um, and I guess, you know, looking at people uh, who had come through uh, English and philosophy in Cork and then gone on to greater things like Fiona Shaw and John Crowley I thought you know maybe that would be good enough for if, me yeah that's not that's not too bad a thing to aim for I suppose so um so I ended up not uh, coming to study at Trinity and studied in Cork instead um and then I suppose very quickly fell into uh what was happening in student drama there. Sure. And at that stage, I mean, if you're in your head at that stage, presumably you're still thinking, I'm going to be an actor, were you? Yeah, up to around the end of first year, um, when I realised that nobody was really casting me <laughs> anything. <laughs> it's a terrible scourge, believe me. And not only that, um, I suppose I found that yeah, in the things I was in, I was uh, maybe f- having more of an outside eye than I should be having as an actor. And... <laughs> Um, and I suppose a combination of those two things of actually not being cast in anything interesting and feeling that maybe I had another perspective led me to start directing productions at the beginning of my second year in college. Did you at any point entertain Rada, Lambda, Gaiety, Trinity in terms of an actor training programme rather than just a, a broader drama degree or was it always let's stay where I am? It never got that far I think. Okay. I mean I think there had been the, you know at one point there had been the glimmer of an idea that that's something that might have been possible okay. afterwards but um, but that was very quickly derailed okay. um, and uh, then I mean with the second production I ever directed which was a production of Equus that old warhorse that, uh, <laughs> that many of us have done at college um which I directed in my second year, um, and which went to the Irish Student Drama Festival and won the Best Production Award and the Best Director Award and other awards for design and acting. And, and this is the second thing you've ever directed? the second thing I've ever directed. And so I thought, um, Jesus. you know, and, and something like that is, uh, I mean, that's obviously a lovely thing to happen, but it also sort of focuses the mind mm-hmm. in a very particular way. Um, and, you know, I suppose by... Uh, the end of my second year in college, I was very clearly a director. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, I suppose it was a particularly interesting time in Cork in that uh, a man called Ali Robertson, who had been running fringe theatre venues in London, had come to run the Granary Theatre, which is the university theatre in Cork. And Ali really wanted the venue to be a really lively venue that was busy all the time. He was incredibly 
supportive and encouraging of a whole generation of artists who were there and people I still work with. Um, and you know, the, the, everything was possible and we put on summer seasons and we put together repertory companies to put on productions in the summer. And wow. So there was, I was still um, acting a bit and also you know, working on front of house and working as an assistant technical manager and various things. So kind of, uh, you know, at the same time as directing productions, occasionally appearing in productions, but doing a lot of work on other people's productions as well. Right, okay. Both on the kind of front of house uh, aspects of things and also as a technician. And actually, I was earning money as a lighting designer before I ever was as a director. Really? Um, And sort of, you know, um, for a while... I suppose sort of was the guy who did small-scale fringe production lighting in Cork. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that was also an opportunity for me, you know, to, by working with a lot of other directors and working on a lot of other productions to uh, develop ideas around what I thought was interesting and yeah. what I thought was exciting. And how useful, now looking back on it, how useful is it to have been involved in all those different aspects of a production? Because presumably as a director, you need to be the eye over all those different elements and the, you know the con- component parts that go together to make a show so presumably having been actively involved in each of those that brings a, a fuller more rounded appreciation to them now I guess I hope so and you know I suppose I, I certainly try and use all of those resources um, when I'm directing a piece of work um, you know as as well as possible um, and you know it's it is useful I suppose for me to know what is possible because it's it's easier to push uh, the limits of what's possible if you know what those limits are, actually. So that if there's a, you know, if there's a particular um, idea involving lighting or staging um, that is particularly ambitious or is, uh, you know, particularly challenging, then actually, I suppose I'm able, I'm also, I'm able to be a resource to work with the designer um, rather than just responding to what the designer is able to provide. Sure. But it was. Uh, you know, it was an exciting time in Cork and it sort of felt that um, for a whole generation of us that a career in the theatre was a real possibility. And I suppose one of the other things that was happening at the time was that um, the Granary had been supporting uh, student productions to go uh, up to the Edinburgh Festival. Right. And so Ursula Rani Sarma's first play would have happened that way. Raymond Scannell's first play would have happened that way. And I directed a couple of devised productions which, you know, are probably best forgotten from their, uh, <laughs> from any of their kind of artistic uh, impact. But um, I suppose the other thing which I discovered very quickly is that there was a whole world out there of work that was not like anything I'd ever seen before. Yeah. And, you know, like growing up somewhere like Cork, which is small and, um, you know, and which has... Uh, you know, which has a, a tradition of theatre which for a long time was uh, amateur or semi-professional and, you know, and that continues to this day but there was sort of limited opportunities uh, to work professionally outside the existing funded companies um, and uh, kind of the combination of that being in quite a small place with quite a small theatre scene and then suddenly seeing that this sort of amazing range of uh, international work and the idea that even though we were a student production which wasn't very interesting and nobody wanted to see that it was an opportunity to imagine ourselves in the context of all of this sure. amazing work and you know what my first Edinburgh festivals would have seen 
I mean, the opening night of the Abbey's production of Barbaric Comedy, which blew my head off. Um, you know, All 86 hours of it. Absolutely. Work by Anne Bogart for the first time, yeah. opera, international dance. Um, and also companies, you know, like Payne's Plough, who were doing really interesting work at the time. And I suppose, you know, it, it, it's one of the things which has uh, remained, I guess, a constant uh, since then, which was a... Um, uh, I guess a ferocious appetite to seek out international work and that's both uh, as inspiration and you know from I suppose my to help my imagination not be limited by the work that I'm seeing mm. but also uh, to imagine uh, myself and the work I was making in a context broader than just my immediate one. Well, see, that's the thing, because I was going to ask, you know, is that where the spark of that hunger to go and see as much theatre as possible? Because it seems to me that you see more theatre than anyone else possibly in the world, and not just limited to Irish stuff, but that you do have a really broad experience of what is going on both on a European basis and even probably globally. Um, and for obvious reasons now in your role as programmer and curator and stuff, that's a useful thing to have. But how does that feed back into the overall practice of you as director? It's... It's interesting because uh, for a while, you know, looking back at some of the work I made, um, I, you know, sometimes now feel that it was overly influenced by some of the work I was seeing. Sure. And, you know, not in a way that wasn't authentic, but that, um, you know, I can see traces of uh, work, I, I, you know, of things I was seeing in the work well, I was making. Ev every garage band starts off sounding like Oasis and then you find your own thing. Yeah, or the Pixies. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, so I suppose, you know, that was, uh, you know, I mean, but obviously, you know, it, it did, um, you know, I found myself kind of interested in things that were not necessarily literal and also, I suppose, a particular combination of uh, a kind of very realistic acting and a non-realistic design aesthetic, Okay. Um, which was something that I was finding quite exciting about work I was seeing in Europe, in Germany and in Hungary and in Poland, um, that the staging was uh, reflecting things that were more than just representation yeah but that the acting rather than actually being more abstract was much more real okay um than you know some of the acting that i was used to seeing and um but i suppose you know the thing about the one of the things that i found very interesting since i became a programmer yeah and you know i mean the invitation from kilkenny arts festival to become their theater and dance curator in 2008 was really almost directly a result of them knowing that I had a reputation as someone who saw a lot of work. But um, the interesting thing, as soon as I had to start selecting work for a programme, and as soon as I started kind of asking, having to ask the questions that make me uh, decide uh, what's, uh, you know, why this work, and rather than another work, yeah. should be presented in this particular context, it was a really uh, important opportunity for me to reflect on my own work and actually to go, you know, the work that I'm interested in presenting is work which is only like itself, which is a unique representation of what the artist thinks about the art form and about the world. And if, you know, I go and see a piece of work and I go, that's very good, but it's very like sure. something else, chances are I'll go and program the thing that it's like <laughs> rather than, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and the, I suppose... You know, and it's not maybe not a total conscious thing, but it's, I certainly have, in the last number of years, been working very hard to uh, answer those questions about my own work, mm. and to go, what are the things that are authentic to me and to uh, the 
way I see the world and the art form. Um, and that's not to go because if I do that, people will want to tour it internationally. Yeah. But it's about actually going. Let's get back to basics a bit here, and not let's not second guess the market, for example, and go. I'm going to make this show because I think they might like it in this venue in Poland, or um, you know, I'm going to make this production because I might get a job at a theatre in London out of it. Yeah. But actually, to go, uh, you know, what I'm, what is possible to do here? Um, how can I? reflect some things I think and feel how can we find a form that does that how can we find a, a way of communicating that to a team of people and you know the and maybe it's not a direct consequence but um, it's interesting that around the moment when I start uh, started being a programmer um, I feel the work that I've been doing has become more rigorous and has right. become uh, maybe a clearer reflection of who I am and what I think about the theatre and I suppose the, the, the happy byproduct about that is that the work has started to tour yeah. internationally more and so um, you know particularly a work like Berlin Love Tour um, which I made with Hilary O'Shaughnessy and Linda Radley for Playgroup um, which you know has been presented a number of times in Ireland and also internationally and we're hoping we'll have a further life and also the production of What for The Gate that I made with Brian McGovern which, you know, actually has had far fewer performances than everybody thinks. <laughs> but since we made it two years ago, you know, has performed in New York on tour in the United States at the gate at Galway Arts Festival and just recently at the Edinburgh International Festival. And to a degree of success, it has to be said. Absolutely. And, you know, it's I mean, a project like that, which, uh, you know, is one of those really unique opportunities that comes along, um, you know, probably once in one's lifetime to work with uh, one of the world's leading interpreters of the work of Samuel Beckett yeah. on a world premiere of a new uh, performance of material by Beckett, um, you know, and it's an opportunity to work with a company like The Gate, and uh, you know, so that you know, and it, it's not that you know, a show like that is not necessarily um, the project that I would conceive myself if I was starting a project, but um, but the opportunity to work on something like that, um, you know. I suppose there's a real opportunity to focus some uh, some ideas and to work in detail and to um, and also to kind of absorb myself in a kind of uh, in writing that maybe I didn't know as well before yeah. you know so that it's like each project is um, it's also an opportunity for me to learn about things that I didn't know about already you know it's um, and often I suppose I'm uh, you know, maybe I'm attracted to, to making work about things that I don't know that well. Right. So, you know, to make Berlin Love Tour, Hilary and I had to spend five weeks in Berlin taking guided tours, learning how guided tours were structured, learning about how Germany memorialises uh, the its past that sure. it's somewhat ashamed of. Um, you know, with Shibari, Gary Duggan's play, um, the uh, which I'm directing for the Abbey Theatre at the moment, which will open at the Dublin Theatre Festival in a few weeks, um, you know, we've had experts coming in teaching us about everything from <laughs> Japanese flower arranging to uh, bondage and S and M. So it's uh, you know, and it's 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 exciting for me to um, you know to know that there are lots of things in the world that I don't know about, but actually that you know, each time we make a production, we bring a group of people together and we learn about some things that we didn't know, and we learn a bit more about ourselves, hopefully, and then you know the production is a way of communicating some of those things to an audience and presenting an audience with things about themselves that 
maybe they didn't know or they didn't realize um and uh, and about making a context for people to to talk about things afterwards also what is your job as director what what does it what should a director do i mean is it is it your obligation to go out and create a wonderful piece of art that has a big stamp of tom creed across it so that anyone goes oh well that's very clearly a tom creed show is it to serve an individual play text or source material or whatever or is it what what do you see your job as is it to chaperone actors what 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 do you do what is the director's function um i mean really you know for me it's about uh creating a context for people to uh go beyond themselves and to do something that's maybe more than they'd ever done before and do you mean that in terms of an actor or a designer, or do you mean as an audience member, or all of the above? Um, I mean, uh, when I said it, I was thinking about an actor and a designer, but, you know, I suppose, for me, uh, I'm interested in serving the audience. And it drives me crazy when people talk about audience-focused programming. I remember being at a... F- <laughs> because it's all audience-focused programming. And Otherwise, you're going to go to business pretty quickly. You know, it's, I was, and, you know, I was at a, a panel discussion a while back where there was a, a group of venue managers talking about audience-focused programming, and I leaned over to the person uh, next to me and said, do we hate the audience? You know, just because we make work which is not... Um, you know, presenting repertoire that's necessarily familiar in sure. a way that's necessarily familiar. Sure. Um, does that not mean that we're not trying to create an experience for the audience that we that they've never had before? And I suppose that's the thing that's common to the work I do as a director and the work I do as a programmer, which is that it's about creating context for audiences and artists to have an encounter that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And um, it's... I mean, I... I, I say this often... Um, you know, and it's it's almost a lie, but it's also not a lie at all, which is that the only thing I'm interested in is the acting. Really? I'm not interested in the text or the design or the architecture or any of those other things other than as a way of making a context for an audience to experience the acting. Wow. And that is not to say that in a particular production... A particularly elaborate stage concept, a particular use of music or light, uh, and a particular approach to a particular text is not the thing that is necessary sure. at the moment. But you know, the thing, you know, in my, you know, starting to see international work, you you know, you go and see those amazing German productions from the Schaubühne and the Volksbühne, and you go, oh, look at the design! It's so non-literal. It's exciting. But actually, the more you see that work, the thing you realise that is the most exciting about that German work and that Polish work is what the actors are doing. And that it's, um, and there's a fearlessness, and there's a, you know, you get a sense sometimes watching work by, uh, by René Polesz, the German director, or by Jarzyna, or Wartykowski, the Polish directors, that the actors would actually crawl over broken glass for them, because they've created a context where it's very safe mm-hmm. for people to uh, reach further than they think they can, you know. So I suppose I'm interested in. Um, I'm interested in a kind of acting which is uh, very, um, which is very real, um, and where the thought is real, um, where it's not, and where it's not, but where it's not a representation of reality. It's more a kind of framing of reality. Okay. So um, the, you know, that the work, I mean, for example, the work that we're doing on Shibari at the moment, um, we're working almost entirely on the floor. I mean, we do spend time working with the text. We're working working entirely off book. 
Right. Um, we're improvising um, if really? we don't know the words. Um, and we're, we're, we're telling the story of the scene, but I suppose for me, um, you know, the, the process of working on a text is less about going, uh, this is a text, let's learn it, and then let's make it look like as if it's happening for real on the stage. Right. But rather actually, you know, trying to work on it in reverse, which is actually work on something which is more, which is less articulate and uh, more, um, for me, closer to reality, actually, that it's not, and that we find the structure through that. So that we're, you know, we're, um, I'm, you know, I kind of say that I'm not interested in text. And of course, that's, you know, also almost a lie in that I'm, you know, almost all of the work that I do is text-based. And even if I'm working with music theatre or if I'm working with, uh, you know, a piece like Berlin Love Tour, where Hilary and I were very clear that, you know, we were going to invite Linda Radley to write the text because it needed to have good text. But for me, the text is only a way to um, understand thought. Okay. Um, And the thought actually is the thing that I direct more than anything else. And about actually what it's like for a character or an actor to go moment to moment. And um, and the thing about thought is, of course, that it's a lot less rational than we think it is. Right. You know, we don't actually sit there and plan the next thing that we're going to say. Yeah. So um, I suppose when I talk about kind of realism, for me, um, realism is not making uh, a kitchen look like a kitchen. Um, but it's about actually what it is like for people to actually think and interact with one another. Um, and... Uh, and we work very hard to make that as detailed as possible. Um, and then that thought is a structure that the actors can actually use to improvise. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that when we come to presenting the work, we're not presenting something which we have set. Um, we've presented something which we have structured very uh, clearly, but actually within which there's an opportunity for actors to discover things and to bring themselves to the work and that each performance is an attempt to get closer to something that is actually probably unattainable but that the thought for me is the structure that links everything together and that um that when when you say something i have a response and that response makes me say something and my act of hearing myself say that thing has a response in me and sometimes that leads to silence and sometimes that leads to another idea and actually to understand how we and also i suppose how that thought is physical how um how we give away things about how we're thinking or feeling through how we move often involuntarily how we hold ourselves in relation to one another and so then you know when you start thinking about how how that thought and how those relationships are represented in space um then it's an opportunity to make a staging which is not necessarily literal but is a is both a real relation between actors in the space and between actors and the audience but also it's about then, then there's a way of making images which are also evocative of something. Yeah. You know, so when I was directing Marco Halloran's play Trade last year at the Dublin Theatre Festival, which also went relatively okay for you. Yeah, and hope, again, hopefully we'll have a life. And it was, you know, an opportunity to. Um, actually, it was the first time in a long time where I'd worked with something which was, uh, which was so realistic. Right. Um, you know, I've, lately I've been directing a lot of solo performance. I've been working in music theatre, um, and it was really, um, I mean, it was really exciting and refreshing to go into a. A, a production which had no microphones, no lists, no fluorescent <laughs> lights, nobody standing in a line, and in fact had two Irish men leaning up against a mantelpiece drinking beer and talking about their families. Yeah. But, um, you know, with trade, it was uh, obviously, you know, we were working in really forensic detail line by line, but also, f- you know, for me, there was an image 
which was trade opens with two men at opposite ends of a room and ends with uh, those men in the middle of the room with their arms around each other. And actually the the production is about telling that story. Okay. And that there's a... So that there's a there's a kind of storyboard, which is not a, you know, is not a, this is what's going to happen in every moment. But knowing that at the beginning of, uh, of the play, there are two men who are apart and one of them has hired the other one for sex and they both identify as straight. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the play, those men are going to be standing together and the uh, client is being comforted by the prostitute. And everything in the play needs to make that happen. Yeah. You know, from the opening moment of A Doll's House, Nora needs to be capable of going out, walking out the door at the end. Yes. And I suppose, you know, how we think about the thought, and um, we were working on a moment in uh, in rehearsals for Shibari yesterday where quite late on in the play, a character breaks a glass with their hand. And uh, we were, you know, this was one of the things that we were talking about was in this scene, much earlier in the play, the character still needs to have the potential of that happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I presume that's not that you're, you're you're playing, you know, all those notes in each scene, but that that you're, that you're planting those seeds that an audience then buys that ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, and also, kind of, you know, doing work which is, um, you know, I mean, what I, you know, the kind of work that I kind of I do as a director at the moment at the moment is, you know, draws on work that was made by dead Russians a hundred years ago. Um, but I suppose, you know, that, it, that it's, um, but that kind of um, process is not, I suppose I've kind of found having, you know, spent, uh, you know, a number of years thinking that viewpoints were the solution to everything. And I can go, I can make the images that I want to make just by training the actors this way. <laughs> or, you know, then subsequently kind of discovering a kind of Katie Mitchell, very rigorous research-based text analysis improvising process um but i suppose you know you all you learn to choose and select from those approaches and actually to find something you know for me which is now very much about working very much in the moment um and you know creating a context for for me and for the actors to understand everything we can about the scene so that we can push the things that are exciting which are thought and emotion and the relation between two people and the relation with the audience further um so that we're not, so that we're not making an approximation of something. But how how influential was uh, in in kind of forming this? You're know, coming to this point in the practice. How influential was your time with Rough Magic and Lynn, and in particular your your kind of journey through the the whole Seeds program as well? I mean, it was hugely influential, and you know the process of working with Lynn on a, a, a project like Im- Improbable Frequency, um, you know, was an opportunity to see a really ambitious new work. Um, with a huge creative team, a really ambitious production design, um, and a work which was still being created as it was being rehearsed, you know, was a hugely, um, a hugely, uh, you know, influential thing on me. And to you know to see Lynn, who has a really particular uh, knack of knowing when to let the actors get on with it and knowing when to intervene, mm-hmm. um, you know, was really uh, very instructive for me. But also, you know, seeing how the company worked. Um, the you know how that production process worked how marketing worked <laughs> um you know i mean those those things that you absorb just by being around them have certainly been you know very influential in the way i uh and it was increasingly as i'm working as a presenter think about uh, about you know how how work is created and supported um 
but then also you know it was an opportunity to go to to Stockholm and to Budapest and to Berlin to see work that was not like anything I'd ever seen before mm. um, you know which was about for Rough Magic was about um, opening our eyes to possibility and not about uh, about a kind of you know didactically going this is what it should be like but it is about going this is what it could be like and um, uh, you know the opportunity to uh, also you know to be in close proximity to other directors um, you know and kind of with Matt Torney and Dara McKeown to be uh, you know travelling around Europe living together and um, having kind of a full on Big Brother house experience <laughs> but but being you know having this sort of concentrated time with one another to share the work we were seeing and share our ideas about the work we were seeing and um, uh, and you know it, it, a process like that you know it's it's about uh, absorbing as many things as you can from as many influences as possible but it's also a kind of moment where you know, you can take stock of where you are and it's a point of kind of marking time in a career and going, this is what I've done, this is what I'm interested in doing, how do I get there? Mm. Um, so, you know, it was a hugely kind of important uh, thing for me and other opportunities like the Director's Programme at the National Theatre Studio, more recently the Gerwood Opera Writing Programme at Albury Music, which was about, you know, a process of working as a director with writers and composers on making new opera right. and bringing the things that I suppose I'd... You you know learned in my uh, I guess ten years of working with new writing for the theatre and new material for the theatre, um, to apply some of those things to music theatre as well, um, but you know those opportunities are all really uh, hugely important opportunities, and I suppose I you know I continue to find moments to seek out opportunities like that to learn and develop and. Even right after um, I open Shibari at the um, at the Peacock in the Theatre Festival, I'm going to Ljubljana for a, a week long workshop for 70 young European festival directors. Wow! Uh, to work with some of the leading festival directors in the world um, to kind of investigate how we create opportunities for artists to take risks, to support those risks, to present them in the context of a program. You know, so that you know as much as possible. I certainly try every year. To, to find a little bit of space, you know, and which given that I now have a full-time position in Cork, mm. as well as trying to continue the work I'm doing as a director, um, you know, finding that time sometimes becomes harder and harder. But uh, for me, it's really important to um, uh, to occasionally be able to just take a little bit of time away and to, you know, work on some questions. And, um, you know, I mean, it, the, the thing about working as a programmer, I guess, as well, is... Um, is you know for me the question uh, is there an opportunity for my work as a programmer and my work as a um, as a artist to not to contradict each other but actually to kind of augment each other and to feed okay. into one another and you know and from the experience of making work how do I create the best conditions for artists to create and present work in Cork and for the audience to encounter that work yeah. you know and you know this year we presented a a program in Cork which included you know a lot of site specific work a lot of documentary work a lot of you know contemporary international work um, and yet the response we had from a lot of people was that it was the most accessible 
uh, festival program that they'd seen. Um, and I think part of that was because we were really thinking about the context. Mm-hmm. Nothing was being presented. We weren't allowing ourselves to present something just because it was a good show. Right. And that's also sort of a lie in that if something is something that is really exciting for us, we'll make a context for it. Sure. But, um, but I suppose in terms of the programming, it's really important for me to think about what is the context for each piece of work that we're presenting. And that might be... Uh, you know, about developing the audience. It might be about engaging with a particular uh, idea in local uh, culture or cultural history or something that's going on socially. It might be involved engaging with place um, or with a significant artist who has connections to the city. Yeah. So we worked with, uh, you know, Pat Kinnavan presenting Silent in Cork for the first time this year. And, you know, Pat is... Uh, an artist who is, uh, was born in County Cork um, but who doesn't you know, get to come back often enough yeah. to present his work <laughs> and this work which has been presented here at the Abbey and you know, touring around the world for us to, you know, to you know, the festival is an ideal context for that kind of work and you know, we're certainly trying to find opportunities to work with some other very significant artists who have connections to Cork. What then are the ambitions for you outside of this? Because it, I mean, like, it does seem that, that your first Midsummer Festival was wildly successful. I mean, in, in your head, do you want to take over the world as a director and go and be on Broadway? Do you want to try and marry that with still the programming and, and curating role? Do you want to take over the Abbey? Ideally, where, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to be? I mean, it's interesting because I never intended to become a programmer. Right. Um, and... Uh, you know, and I thought very hard when the position in Cork came up. Did I want to uh, spend less time directing productions? Did I want to move back to Cork, mm-hmm. which I had moved away from very deliberately yeah. in 2006? And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, um, you know, actually, I mean, it's not so common here, but um, there are a lot of international festivals and a lot of presenting organisations that are run by people who make work. Sure. And, um, and I suppose I was interested in looking at what it and learning what it is like as somebody who makes work to also be responsible for an organization mm. um the and i suppose you know i'm uh it's also interesting that i'm directing a bit less than i was a few years ago i directed seven shows in 2007 jesus um <laughs> but actually you know, at the moment, directing one new production a year and having an opportunity to come back to some existing work and work on that again, you know, for me, actually, I feel it's an opportunity for me to do better work. Right. You know, I think the work, um, the work, I'm happier than I've ever been with the work I'm making. And, uh, and you know, maybe it's because I'm sort of focusing all of the directing part of me into fewer projects and not having, and, you know, honest, but by having um, the position in Cork, I'm... Uh, I have the luxury of not having to be taking on more directing uh, gigs um, just to pay the rent, you know. Uh, so I sort of feel, um, you know, I'm, and I, it's something I'm interested in continuing to um, explore how I can balance um, being very single-minded as a director of productions, but also... Uh, it, trying to you know create as many opportunities for as many other people as possible to create work um and you know maybe uh and you know i certainly uh, if an opportunity you know i mean i'll be in cork for a while yeah. you know i think i have there are things that we will that we need to work through there and um the and hopefully i'll be continuing to direct productions for a while and you know i certainly wouldn't rule out um 
directing another festival in Ireland or somewhere else right. if um, if that opportunity came up because I love festivals yeah. and I love the the way it's able to the way they're able to kind of develop a critical mass among the audience. Um, you know, I've seen in Ireland the impacts that festivals actually have on the practice that's being made. You know, you see traces of particularly influential things that come into a Dublin Theatre Festival because we see so we have so few opportunities to see international yeah. work. You know, you go through phases where suddenly there's a lot of live video and microphones, <laughs> or a few years previously, you know, after Castellucci coming in, there's a lot of gauze, there's a lot of strobes, there's a lot of you know, it's sort of, yeah. and that's yeah, um, you know, I think it's exciting that Irish theatre is. Um, actually is being so responsive to kind of international influences and uh, but also you know that there are artists who are um, able to kind of take on those influences and also absolutely have a dialogue with the context um, but I suppose you know I'd also um, I would be excited about running a building um, uh, or a producing company um, and you know it may be that that could be a building which could balance which could be a producing company, but could also include opportunities to present work. Sure. Because I think, um, you know, the uh, it's it's useful for us always to, uh, it's really useful for us to focus and fixate on what we're doing to try and be better at it. But it's also uh, useful every so often for us to um, allow ourselves to be influenced by things that are happening elsewhere. Um, and that, you know, um, I suppose something that we're trying to do with the festival is to be a place where we can uh, where we can make things um, and where we can learn things and where we can uh, be influenced by things and where we can share things and um, where audiences can have experiences that they wouldn't have in another context but that all of those things are not mutually exclusive sure. and and the presenting international work creating opportunities for Irish artists to make work uh, creating opportunities for audiences to engage with the ideas around the work um, I suppose those are the things that I'm interested in doing in my own practice and for other artists and audiences. That's absolutely great. I'm, uh, I'm really excited about Shivari. I think it's going to be a lovely show. Thank you so much for coming to have a chat with us. I really appreciate it. That was absolutely brilliant. Thank you. So there you have it, the great Tom Creed, such an amazing guy, such a prodigiously talented guy who has just achieved so much in such a short space of time. Like a guy's my age, just putting us all to shame, man. It's terrifying. He's achieved so much. And uh, and the best part is you really get the sense that all the best stuff is still yet to come. It's uh, it's amazing. I have an awful lot of time for the guy. I think he's really brilliant. And I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing Shibari, Gary Duggan's play, which is going to be uh, at the Peacock for the festival. So look, as ever, that brings us to our usual weekly roundup of what is going on around town and around the country. Um, Theatre Upstairs at Lanigan's have, where we shall, of course shall be bringing Fight Night in a couple of weeks uh, has Down by the River starring Michael Bates uh, and that'll be followed by Unlucky for Some which is two new short plays by Jared Lee which I'm very excited about uh, also at the Viking Theatre where of course we'll be bringing Fight Night in a number of weeks has My Mother Said I Never Should um, the Gate Theatre has A Woman of No Importance with the brilliant Avian Garrahy, um, the wonderful Cathy Belt and Marion O'Dwyer just amazing actresses in that show and indeed actress too but that's uh, the real cream of the crop in that place they're, they're they're wonderful people, man. You've got to go check that stuff out. Uh, Bewley's Cafe Theatre still has Village Wooing, and that will have been moving to a dinner theatre slot from its current lunchtime theatre slot. So that is certainly worth checking out at the Bewley's website. 
The Olympia has that production of Gorilla Days in Ireland, which is still touring around. The Abbey Theatre, our national theatre, of course, has that production of The Plough and the Stars. And, of course, the Fringe Festival is about to kick off this week, so uh, there are obviously way too many shows for me to mention there, and uh, far too many friends involved that if I leave one show out, I'll be lynched. So, look, just to say, get on over to FringeFest.com. All the details on all the shows are there. Uh, It looks like a pretty spectacular lineup this year. And uh, as ever with the Fringe, you know, you'll get to see some truly amazing shows you might see some truly terrible shows too but that's the great thing about the fringe that there's just this whole array of different theatrical experiences go and take a chance take see a couple of shows uh you'll maybe surprise yourself uh, i think it's always going to be a great night out of the fringe go and check them out there at fringefest.com then as we move around the country heading south down to cork uh, at the everyman theater the druid murphy show is running into town there um that is of course worth checking out if you can get a chance uh, and as ever there is a full program of stuff on at Cork Arts Theatre. Check them out at corkartstheatre.com. Uh, round to Limerick, uh, Bottom Dog Theatre have that season of readings uh, going on. You can check out all their details at bottomdogtheatre.com. Uh, as we head out west to Galway, the Town Hall has uh, The Mother's Arms with uh, the great little John Nee, and that'll be followed by that touring production of Grill Days in Ireland from, uh, from the Olympia. Um, and then heading up north to Belfast, the Lyric Theatre has Connell Morrison's Playboy of the Western World, which I can't wait to get up and see. Uh, that looks like it's going to be really interesting. Uh, and also, as we gave a shout-out on the podcast last week, NAYD are seeking scripts for its new stage project and its Playshare collection. Now, the new stage is NAYD's writing initiative for young uh, Irish youth theatre, and Playshare is a collection of plays suitable for youth drama and theatre groups, which is made available through NAYD. So if you have written or staged any original plays suitable for young ensembles, do please send them into them. They are at National Association for Youth Drama, 7 North Great George's Street, Dublin 1. Uh, and of course the good news is that they will be paying the writers a small royalty fee for their work. So you ain't doing nothing for nothing. So look guys, that is us. That is episode 44 in the book. Sweet Jesus, this machine keeps rolling on. Uh, we will of course be back next week for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. This has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Og McAnally, I'm Angus Og McAnally. We'll see you next week. 